personally, I like the flexibility. It's like I can build a recipe for these kids that's so tailored. And it's, it's all because I have that freedom and flexibility that you don't have when you're on a 40 minute ball schedule. So share your mistakes, share your successes, but be honest about it. And there's not a standardized question that you can put on a test that's gonna measure how well they understood and how well I taught. This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in education and the workplace. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. This pandemic has forced students to learn at home and educators have had to make a fast pivot to remote teaching. This season, I'm talking with teachers and students across the United States to find the silver linings of our situation, to find out what matters most in school, and to use those lessons as we reimagine the future of education. Leah LaCrosse currently is an eighth grade science teacher in Huron, Ohio. She's in her 25th year of teaching, and most of them have been in fifth and eighth grade science. Her school, McCormick Junior High School, is a fairly small one. There are roughly 115 students in seventh and eighth grade. Leah teaches all of the eighth graders science. The community of Huron is a close one, and being a junior high cross country coach, drone racing coach, and sponsor for a bunch of other clubs, she has a great connection to her students and families. Leah's own family is subjected to all of her crazy purchases. She's always buying drones, electronics, and running races to keep in shape for cross-country season. Leah's favorite activity is writing grants for all of her classroom adventures, about seven to ten grants a year, and hopes for three or four to come through. That sounds like quite a resume, Leah. It sounds like you're really <laughs> into it. <laughs> yeah, I love I love my life. I love every part of um, being a teacher, even the crazy parts where you're frantic. That's that's definitely the yeah the best part about it. Yeah, it sounds like thriving on the energy is so great. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, obviously this is like hard for a lot of us, um, and it sounds like it's definitely especially hard for you in this small knit community to miss that miss out on that, but. I'm, I'm sort of curious, you know, um, is there something you actually secretly like about working from home? Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed that I really enjoy about being at home is the, is I just get a, the time to reflect. And when I'm face to face with my students, my typical action is that I try to respond very quickly and I try to, you know, give them an answer as fast as I can. And one of the things that I've really enjoying about being at home is that I can take my time with those thoughts and I can I can think about the student I can think about their background and then I can like personalize my answer better and I'm not bound to that time schedule like oh no we only have 20 minutes of class time left so sorry this is going to be the generic answer I give everyone so uh, secretly I like the fact that I can I don't have to be so quick on my feet all the time <laughs> wow that's great do you think the students feel the same way I wonder because I, I like when we have, we do some Google Hangouts and we meet up, you know, um, online. And um, I think sometimes like I get a little bit of reflection afterwards and they'll send me an email afterwards. And it's like, are they, you know, also reflecting more about it because we are apart? So I, sometimes I wonder, yeah. I've noticed that to be true for some of my students too, the quiet ones, especially if they can mm -hmm. take time to think through, you know, they don't always have the ability to recall an answer like instantaneously come up with something brilliant right away. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so what have you learned about yourself while being on quarantine? Um, 
one thing I've noted, I didn't realize this until this, you know, quarantine is that I am very much routine and structure in my world. Like before the, the whole quarantine started, I walk to school every day. I live, you know, 15 minutes away from my building. So I would walk in the morning and it was like a very patterned routine. And um, I'd get there 40 minutes early. I talked to the art teacher for 15 to 20 minutes. I would get my lab set up and I'm very predictable. And so one of the things I noticed is that like, I almost, as much as I like thrive on the bell sounding and people moving and the familiarity of everything, I'm like, I can, I can relax a little bit. I don't have to be on such a routine. So I've learned that like, I do miss a lot of those routines and I miss walking to school and I miss my afternoon walks home because I would just like think through the day. But I didn't realize how patterned I was until like my watch was telling me like where school was and like you should still be there. And yeah, so I'm very routine. <laughs> so how, how have you handled that without having that rigid structure? Well, one of the things I, I have pets and so I'm more involved with my pets now. Like I have chickens and I have uh, the dogs and the cats. And it's like I've noticed that like I even throughout my morning kind of have adjusted to like who am I taking care of at what time? And, you know, it's, it's different. Um, and I, I found that even though I don't have bells going off, obviously in my home, it's like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on this for like a half hour and then I'm going to go take care of the chickens and I'm going to come back and work on this. So I've made my own quarantine routine. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I built my structure in. So, yeah. That's great. So the chicken's laying better eggs now that you're spending more time with them? Or I'm what? just saying they love seeing my face now. <laughs> They're like, oh, she's coming back out with more food for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Mm -hmm. So uh, how have you kept your sanity while being on lockdown and having getting out into the world? Well, um, for a while at the, at the beginning of this, my dad was going through some health issues. Um, he was diagnosed with brain cancer actually right as everything was kind of falling apart. And so, um, he became a part of my sanity is that I was like, okay, I've got school, but I've got my dad. And it was like, I almost could compartmentalize. And so, you know, I was along with every other teacher making initial mistakes and making initial you know, strides forward. And I was excited about some things, but I could always like just shift over and like almost like switch to a different part of my brain. Um, and so like, I think because I was caring for my dad, that a lot of that sanity was because I absolutely had to be on point with him. And um, so I think some of that was just the lockdown was, uh, I hate to say it, but it was almost a blessing for me in a way because I could also you know, go ahead and give him the time that he needed. Yeah, I think a lot of us have found we get to spend some quality time with family now, right? Yes. Instead of yes. being on that treadmill, mm -hmm. definitely a silver lining, right? Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Um, so what do you think you like best about remote work? You know, not going into the classroom. I know you enjoyed the camaraderie and your colleagues and the kids and all of that, but what do you think you like best either personally or professionally? Well, I am a person that um, I feel like with all of the tech integration that I do and with all of the science and I, I just, I am so go, go, go that I think personally, I like the flexibility and just the ability to slow down a little bit and appreciate what I'm doing and, and kind of give myself some, I mean, I, I have my routine, I have my structure, but I really do like the ability to reflect on things and 
you know, I, you know, had some journaling that I did early on where I was writing down, like, you know, what is best about this? What can I, you know, what can I get out of this for myself? Where can I learn some good lessons for myself? Um, and I, Honestly, I like being able to mix my day up and, and not be, you know, seven and a half, eight hours on school and then my personal. Like, I can mix, you know, I love to sew, I love to build, I love to read and podcast, listen. So I can, I can weave that in and I, I think I, I really like that. It's better for my brain because I'm not so overwhelmed. Um, professionally, I, I, like, I really like the ability to set up, like, a Google meet session with a student and I like to be able to talk for 20 minutes one-on-one -on -one with a student and then you know go back to like maybe the whole class where I'm looking at their assigned work that they've turned in and so I like the flexibility where I can kind of just weave in and out with the kids it's something I've it, like I've never been able to do that I've never had 20 some minutes of my day where I can just say you know Isaiah you need 20 minutes of my time you got it you know and that's something that I like, I want to be able to have that later on, too. Like, when we're back in school, I want to be able to say, you need a little bit more, and I have it to give to you right now. This other student, you need something different. And so it's like I can build a recipe for these kids that's so tailored, and it's, it's all because I have that freedom and flexibility that you don't have when you're, you know, on a 40-minute ball schedule. So, yeah. That sounds like a great advantage of teaching yes. remotely. Yeah. Um, are there other advantages to teaching remotely? Um, yeah, I, I think I went through like the initial shock that everybody went through when it, you, you know, you got thrown into it and I know my transition into it wasn't very graceful. I know some of the teachers I was talking to, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the same things. Um, but I think the remote part that, um, I really, really appreciate is that, you know, personalized learning, like, we say that we're personalizing learning, like we say that we're giving everybody like, you know, exactly what they need. And, but with, I have over a hundred students every day and I don't know that I, in the regular classroom setting was really hitting that mark as almost as well as I'm doing right now. So, um, you know, I think for my students, they're getting more of me sometimes when they need me. Like, I wish the regular school setting was so flexible that someone could check in with me and say, you know, I really understand Punnett squares, but could we go back to last week when we were talking about, and like, I feel like on this online platform, I can say, absolutely, I've got something else. Let's talk. Let's, you know, so I, I think that's one of the biggest advantages for my students too, is they're, <laughs> they're getting a more personalized me and not a you know, this is on the lesson plan today, step one, step two, step three, sorry, you didn't fit in, you know, it wasn't right in there. So um, yeah, big, that's a big advantage. Wow, that's really ironic because a lot of teachers I know I hear are struggling, like, I love the face-to-face -face time, but it seems like because of the schedule you don't actually have and you're actually more personalized and have more of a connection now when you're remote than you yeah. were in person. Absolutely. With some of those students, they were so quiet in my room. And, um, and I don't know if it's the keyboard in between us, you know, I don't know what it is, but they feel, and I feel like I can just go ahead and give them more and they can ask more from me. And, and it could be the situation, um, you know, that they know how, you know, desperately we want to connect with them and we want to help them that maybe they're feeling more open instead of, 
oh, she's rushing to go get her coffee. Oh, she's rushing to set up the next lab. And she looks pretty busy. I can't really ask her a question. Well, now they know that, you know, I mean, my email, I, I keep my computer on all day long. I think that's the tech nerd in me is that I'm always got it like off to the side. Um, but I think they know that um, the availability there is that they're not interrupting me setting up a lab. They're, you know, and I think even when I have the Google Meet sessions with them, you know, they know that I'm there until they want to get off the phone, like until they want to like close down the computer they could just keep talking to me. And, and that's something that they're not bound by that schedule either. So. That's amazing. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been thinking a lot about this. Um, and I'm sort of curious, what are some of the lessons that you think we've learned as educators that you want to keep and continue to implement once the pandemic is over? Um, one of the, it, one of the things that I really want to remember is just how big of a divide there is among our students. Um, it's not just with devices. I know that devices is like what we're all noticing is like, oh, you don't have a device. Oh, you don't have reliable internet. But it even goes past that. Like I'm, I'm seeing how few students have that um, support at home that I expected because, oh, I'm a part of this great community and parents are involved. And, you know, I mean, I've, I see parents that show up for their, their um, child's sporting events, but it doesn't necessarily transfer to the educational setting and the learning setting. And, and they really do need more support and they do need more help. And there is a, you know, this big divide that I think is becoming more and more clear to us and that, they, not every student has a support or the physical device or even just the space to learn. Like not all kids have a quiet room that they can go to. And I think it hit me partway through when I was, you know, having these, these 20 minute calls with students and their, their siblings are throwing stuff at them, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you really are. No wonder this Mendeleyan genetics isn't quite clicking for you, you know, like you've got to a younger brother that's throwing things at you. And, and I think that like, I really want us when, when we're all done with this to look at like, like when we educate the whole child, do we really know what that means? Do we really like know enough about them to say that, you know, I'm giving you what you need. And, and I, I feel like the divide that's there, as long as we keep discussing it and talking about like how do we bring more kids in and make them feel comfortable with their learning environment and I think I think we can implement like some good practices like with these you know one-on-one -on -one calls and these more you know personalized approaches but we just I know it starts with technology most of the time the administrators are like right now there a lot of them are scrambling to make sure that kids have their wi-fi access they have their computers they and then they think like, okay, they're good to go. And it's like, well, I don't know that we are still good to go yet. We still have so much to help these, you know, families with. And, and it, right. it even goes to like knowing how to approach learning. Like, do you have a room? Do you have a, do you have your own like little space? And do you know how to tackle that on your own? So yeah, it's the divide that I, I really hope we work more towards. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely face that here at my school as well. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a lot of experience teaching. Uh, you're pretty savvy and comfortable with technology. Um, and so I know not everybody is in that same place as you. 
Um, what advice would you give to other colleagues about this new normal of teaching and, you know, to kind of help them get through these times or maybe even make them stronger? Well, I think one thing to remember is that we are, we're all learning, we're all on this continuum and we're all growing because of it. So like no one's great at this to start with. I had some initial snafus at the beginning where I was like, oh, okay, so I can approach that differently, you know? Um, and I think that we can become great together, you know, recognizing everybody's talents and strengths and, and pulling from each other and really just having those good conversations is how we will be great together. It's, um, it's, feeling comfortable sharing often, you know, share your mistakes, share your successes, but be honest about it and just say, this did not work. I'm looking for some help here. How can I be better there? And then, um, like, I think one of the things as colleagues we have to do is, you know, you have to forgive yourself your mistakes and you have to forgive others of their mistakes and know that, you know, we're all coming from different perspectives. But if we uh, if we work together, we will be better for it and sharing and celebrating the moments that are that are the wins and, and building each other up because I think a lot of times like we're in such this rat race in this position where we feel like we have to, I, I don't know if, if it's that we tear each other down or I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like we don't always celebrate each other the way we should. And, um, and that's one thing that like journal often write it down, you know, document your successes, give yourself credit, but then also be honest with yourself and others and just know that, yeah, we're all in the same place. But as far as knowing who your resources are, I mean, get some good resources too and, and, and connect well with others. It's not, um, it's not acceptable to be like in your own room anymore. You know, we have to, the walls are down and there's nothing more clear than that as, as, as this situation has shown us. So I love that. And I feel like that's mo just modeling good learning for our students too. Like we make mistakes and you make mistakes as long as we're getting better. And this idea that we have to do it all by ourselves alone, you know, isn't the path to success. Yeah. And where else in the human experience do we do things alone? And I feel like in the human experience, like this, this, you're constantly looking for mentors and guides and people who have done things before you. And, and in every other situation, you give yourself credit for good things. So in your profession, give yourself credit for what you're doing right and learn from your mistakes. Yeah. We've talked about a lot of silver linings out of all this. If you had to narrow it down to one, what's the most important silver lining out of all of the situation for you and why? Okay, so this is this is a bizarre one that I don't know. Um, with as many people who are um, struggling with being at home and trying to juggle home, family, work, for me, honestly, the the biggest silver lining was the timing of it for me because of my dad. Um, you know, my dad passed away about a week ago, and I was able because of this whole situation to give him all the care he needed. I had the time to be with him. And so the family time that I had because of this, I mean, I'm learning so much as an educator and I'm connecting so much with, you know, my students and my colleagues, but I connected with my dad. And for me, like the remote teaching part, I could still be with him. Like I didn't have to worry about, um, I didn't have to worry about my students not seeing me because I could, you know, 
I could juggle it a little bit differently. So I know it's a bizarre one, but um, the time with my dad was absolutely the best part about this. So, you know, that's the silver lining here is I can connect with my family too. Well, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had that time. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I, I have noticed like in my colleagues, like, I think that if, um, you know, we were doing the day to day sort of thing, I probably would have, um, you know, I would have had some offers of help. I probably would have received, you know, the bouquet or the, you know, the flowers on my desk or something, but the, um, the connection that I saw online with my colleagues too, like, uh, I, it just meant so much that they were like, you know, how can I help you with this? What, what do you need? Do you need uh, me to connect with this student or can I help you with this? And so, um, you know, the creativity that came from like people trying to jump in and help with eighth grade science, they're like, I got you. Like, just tell me where to start and like seeing how creative people could be and how much, um, you know, they could take that challenge and, and, and personalize for me as well. It was, it was big. It was a big part of, yeah. That's, so. that's beautiful. <laughs> so thinking from the 30,000 foot view level from yeah. out, out away from your home and your heart to the 30,000 foot view level, um, what do you want policymakers to change or laws or rules that you'd like them to adopt as we look to next school year and as we reimagine the future of education? I really, I really want policymakers to, for two things, I want them to trust us that we have these children's best interests at heart and that we are, you know, in this to make a difference in the world. Like, trust me, I am, I am teaching science and, and these kids are learning science and, and they're going to be okay in this world. So standardizing education is, is we don't need to do that. We don't need to standardize education. There's too many differences among our students that we need to, you know, you need to trust me and you let, you need to let me personalize this. You know, it's, it goes beyond their access to materials. It goes towards me knowing that this student over here needs this and this student over here needs this. And there's not a standardized question that you can put on a test that's going to measure how well they understood and how well I taught. It's just not possible. And this whole nonsense for, you know, 25 years, I've been dealing with standardized testing that is so false and it's so fake and it doesn't measure what we do in the room. It's a formula that is so unfair that like, I really want this opportunity for lawmakers to see that teachers are so much more than a 90 minute, uh, you know, a two day test or whatever, it, it goes beyond that. And, and there is not a formula that anyone is going to make up that they can apply to every district in my state that will measure. It's, it's, it's insane. And so I hope that this is the opportunity where people look at it and they say like, you know, our teachers personalize the learning in the hardest of times and they still we're able to educate and inspire and, and, and I hope that I hope policymakers see that and recognize it for what it is that we are 
um, very passionate about what we do. And there's not a test they can give that's going to measure that. <laughs> so I want a flexible trusting system. I guess that might be a little much to just jump into, but let's be flexible and let's trust what we have here. So Fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Um, and thinking about uh, other teachers or parents, um, what's one piece of advice you'd like to share with them about remote learning? Yeah, I, I think the biggest, biggest piece of advice is to be patient. Um, and with that patience, you have to have organization and realistic goals. Um, you know, knowing that like mistakes are going to be made and lessons are going to be learned and that we're going to grow. But um, for everybody's sake, being organized and having those goals that, um, you know, that, that are realistic for, for your students, for yourself, um, that's, that's probably what I would say is just be patient, be organized, but be realistic and, and, and acknowledge that we're learning together. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to share about remote learning? I really miss my students. I, I mean... I, I do like the ability that we can, you know, jump on a, a call together and I can give them that time. But I miss uh, fist bumps in the hallway. I miss, uh, honestly, I miss the kids laughing about my Lego shoes. <laughs> you know, I miss my classroom, my robots. Uh, but um, I think that this closure, it is giving us a chance to just be creative and to work together to personalize things and, and to grow. And um, I think that we're seeing some of the best parts of humanity right now. And so if we can keep those bright spots and, and, and build off of them, I, I feel that this will, um, you know, that, that those are the silver linings. As long as we keep our humanity and our, and our, and our you know, in our focus and know that um, we can miss each other, but we can grow from this. Fantastic. Leela Cross from here in Ohio, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you for having me. It was, again, a, a nice way to connect with people out there. So thank you. If you like the podcast, rate us and write us a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly email newsletter. You can find the details on our website, changethenarrative.net.